Deshaun, it's good to be back, man. Bro, I always say this, man, but real talk, I actually missed you, man. And the reason why I missed you is because in your absence, there was so much happening across the country. I know, but you know what? You're the podcast guru. I come in once in a while and just give my take, but, uh, you know, you can hold it down and, and the listeners love tuning in, so. Bro, listen, last weekend was crazy. Like, I actually needed you because, yo, we all know Saskatchewan went down. I, I wanted to talk to you about that, right? Sherbrooke did their thing. I wanted to talk to you about that, right? So it was it was a crazy week, right? So, um, but you know what? It's okay because this past weekend was another crazy weekend. We got a lot to get into. You ready for this? Always ready. Let's do it. My name is Deshaun Stevens. And this is DJ Lalama. And welcome to Take It or Leave It, the show where we deliver you sports football news for all 27 different schools. DJ, how you feel after that big dub? I'm tired, man. It was, uh, it was a long bus trip home uh, after Regina, but I mean, you never want to back into the playoffs, right? And, and we knew there were some mathematical equations that could get us in, but Alberta did their thing and, and won the game. Uh, we found that out around halftime, so... I mean, I'm just, I'm super proud of the guys, the way that they stepped up and, and earned their birth into the playoffs. And I mean, all you need is a ticket, right? And now anything can happen. So uh, I appreciate the the support, but yeah, we're, we're excited to be in the dance. We got a lot to go over with the playoffs across all four conferences, but let's start on the East Coast. All right. East Coast, East Coast because the playoffs haven't started yet, but the playoffs are locked up. The Lonely Bowl playoffs are a little bit different from you know, the other three conferences, they're a little bit, it's a little bit smaller. Only three teams make the playoffs. You have a semifinal, one team gets a bye to the final. Let's take a look at it. Okay, here we go. Next weekend, what we got are the Bishops Gators against the Mount Allison Mounties in the semifinal. And the winner of that game goes to the Loney Bowl to face the St. Effects X-Men. My bad, the number five ranked undefeated St. Effects X-Men. DJ, talk to me about the AUS playoffs. Who do you see coming out that conference? Who do you see winning the semifinal? Talk to me. I mean, really, can anyone touch St. FX? Um, you know, eight, no. I mean, when you look statistically, both offense, defensively, special teams, I mean, it's really not close. You know what I mean? And, and you know, I like to see it over the, the entire, you know, season, and you have this big sample size now. And, I mean, each team in that conference plays each other twice. And when you've been able to put repeat performances to that degree, I'm just not sure that, you know, there's enough firepower at Bishops and or Mount A to really challenge St. Effects in that conference. Now, with that being said, I mean, Bishops and Mount A are there because of their defenses. You know, I don't think either of them really have that great of an offense. Um, they've been struggling at times, very one dimensional. You know, I think in both aspects, the ground game is going to have to do a lot of the like the heavy lifting for them on offense. They've both got there based on their defensive play. You know, and if you make a couple big time plays and big time moments, I mean, maybe there's an upset, but I just can't see St. FX, you know, led by Gary Waterman, so much experience. You know, a lot of those guys have been in big games before. I think it's St. FX for sure, but I'm excited for a defensive battle, Bishops and Mount A this weekend. Yeah, listen, I agree with you when it comes to St. FX owning that conference. When I look at St. FX and I look at the AUS, for me, in my opinion, I feel like St. FX is the team that's come out of the pandemic the best out of any team in the AUS. They came out of the pandemic, like, ready to go with a quarterback, ready to go, ready to go with their receiving core, their run game, everything, their defense. They had their transfers come in, all that stuff. Whereas every other team in the AUS was kind of just, like, in that in-between phase of, like, who's our head coach going to be? <laughs> like, you know, do we want to move forward with this offensive coordinator? What does our offense look like? And there's a lot of these teams are still trying to figure it out. And that's why you look statistically, you talked about it, right? Like, 
the, like the offensive numbers in the AUS this year have not been the highest. All those teams in the AUS, a lot of them have like some of the top ranked defenses in the league because there isn't much scoring in the conference. So it's like, you'll look at like top ranked defenses and you're like, you'll have all those teams in like the top 10. And it's just like, damn, are their defenses that good? Well, I mean, they're good, but there's just not a lot of scoring. But when I look at St. FX, they're the most well put together team. Silas Fanyan just came off his first year of eligibility last year, led that team to an undefeated season and a lonely bowl and was the AUS MVP all in his rookie year. Coming back this year, and he might be the MVP again. If not, he will be a AUS All-Star. Uh, Malcolm Bussey, their running back last season was his first year again, won AUS Rookie of the Year. And this year, he might be up there to win AUS MVP as well, right? And their defense is solid. Their receiving core is almost the same. They're bringing back a lot of those same key players that won them the Loney Bowl in 2021. It, you know, Gary Waterman, it's a system. He has his system. He has his guys that he's going to move forward with for the next four or five years. And that's what it is. And when it comes to these other teams in, in, in the AUS, such as Mount Allison um, and such as Bishops, great defenses. Offensively, it's just not there. It's just not there. So I'm looking at AUS. I'm saying, listen, this is St. FX's conference. So I'm with you, man. I think this game, though, this weekend is going to be a nice defensive battle, right? Because technically you got two of the best defenses in the country. But um, whoever wins, St. FX all the way. I mean, what's interesting to note, too, about this weekend, right, is you, you look at Mount Allison, I mean, their DBs have been very opportunistic. I mean, they have 11 interceptions as a, as a unit this year. I mean, one and a half per game, essentially. Um, you know, they don't have a ton up front. I mean, I, I think they've only had around 11 sacks this year. Um, but, you know, they're doing enough. And, and they got some ball hawks back there to get opportunistic. On the flip side, I mean, you look at Bishop's front four. I mean, they got 22 sacks already. They're, they're second only behind. Same effects in that category in the nation, you know? So again, offensively, I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle. I think, you know, a couple of players are going to have to step up and make some big plays. I think special teams is going to play a really big role uh, this weekend. Um, to me, it's a little bit of a toss up between Mount A and Bishops. Um, but I think either way, uh, St. FX is going to come away with this in two weeks and, and punch their ticket. And I got to say, thank you for mentioning Mount Allison's DBs, Daniel Bell, Lucas Cormier, in my opinion, those two are among the top five DBs in the nation. Not because of this whole like lack of offensive thing in the AUS. I think if you put those two on any team in the country, they are all Canadian material. So thank you for mentioning that. Real talk. Um, but I think we're aligned on that. Let's move over to the RCQ. You good? I'm good. Okay, here we go. RCQ. Playoffs are determined. Number one seed, Laval Rouget or number two, Montreal Caravan, number three, Sherbrooke Berthe or and number four, Concordia Stingers. Next weekend, the Laval Rouget or will take on the Concordia Stingers and the Montreal Caravan will take on the Sherbrooke Berthe or. Give me your thoughts, DJ. I mean, listen, man, uh, it's Laval's to lose. You know, they, they've proven that this year in the regular season that this is their conference so far. I would like to throw an asterisk on there and say that nothing, you know, from the regular season means anything at this point. But for us sitting here discussing the teams as they are, it does mean something. And when we look at what Laval has been able to do, I mean, Desjardins, he's probably the heck nominee out of that conference right now. He's overtaken Senecal in terms of that number one pivot in that conference. You look at what their receiver has been able to do this year i mean Mattel almost broke the national record for receiving touchdowns in a season with 12 their defense is good i mean it's by committee 20 sacks you know they're only giving up 14 points a game 10 interceptions by the back end 
I mean, that's a well-balanced unit. If anything, I don't think their rush attack maybe comes, you know, and, and is on that same level as what their passing offense is. And perhaps that leads to Concordia's opportunistic defense taking advantage, right? If you're putting these guys in first down, and you know that they're going to pass the ball. Second down, they're probably still going to pass the ball. Can some of these DBs and linebackers take advantage of that? And can they get some pressure off the edge? That's, you know, going to be a big aspect for Concordia. And I mean, on the flip side, is Olivia Roy going to show up? I mean, I remember our first podcast when we were talking about this kid being a top five player in the country. And I'm not saying it's all his fault. I'm not saying football is an individualistic game, but it has not been the, you know, the, the second season that we thought it would be. Um, so I'm really interested to see who shows up. Is it Olivier Roy from last year? Now that the backs are against the wall and it's a do or die? Or are we getting at the Olivier Roy that we've seen so far this season? I mean, he's got a great opportunity in front of him. So I think this is Laval's conference to win. I'm with you on that. I don't think they're going to have any problems versus Concordia. Now, granted, this past weekend, when those two linked up, Concordia had that game within two, right? They, they played them pretty damn good. And then, of course... I don't know, though. Uh, last game of the year, I think Laval kind of already knew what they had. They weren't going to show too much. It's it's always hard to, you know, take away the last game of the season when it doesn't really mean anything for one side. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and chalk it up, you know what I mean? But I, I agree with you, man. If Concordia shows up the way they did this last weekend and make it a two-score game, I mean, the defense can be opportunistic. If it's 60-14 to 14 again like it was week two, I mean, the, the, the game's going to be over real quick. Uh, you know what? You're right. You got me. You got me. Last game of the season, you're right, bro. That's true. Last game of the season, they know they got number one locked up. They're probably just chilling. But again, I think this is Laval's to win. Where I'm worried about this playoff, I'm worried about Montreal versus Sherbrooke. That's what I'm worried about because we can sit here right now and say that the Sherbrooke Verte or have a legitimate chance to beat Montreal next week and face Laval for Dunsmore Cup. Right? We talked about wouldn't it a couple times. Wouldn't that be something? That would be crazy, right? I, I agree. We sat here a couple weeks ago when Sherbrooke and Laval first met, and they, they lost that game by three points, four points, but they were within three or within one with 10 seconds left, right? And we were saying, that's a little bit fishy. That's a little bit suspect, right? This is supposed to be the mighty Montreal that kind of just, like, runs over people, right? The, the number three at the time ranked Montreal Carabin. And then last week, Sherbrooke, they finished the job. They kept them out the end zone. They did not score a single touchdown. That offense led by Jonathan Senecal, right? That offense with Bertrand Beaulieu in the backfield. They did not touch the end zone, okay? So I'm looking at this game and I'm saying, Montreal, in this game, they're the ones that got their back against the wall because they have not truly, you know, decisively beat this team at all in 2022. So I'm looking at this game. I'm saying, Sherbrooke has a chance. Sherbrooke has a chance. And listen, at the beginning of the season, you talked about it when we were talking about Olivier Roy and the Concordia Stingers being that sleeper team in the RSCQ. Here's the sleeper team of 2022. This is the yeah, sleeper you, right Yeah, you got that right. I mean, Sherbrooke has shown out, you know, week in, week out, and, and kept most of their games close all season. I think one thing that really sticks out to me when you dissect the Sherbrooke team is how disciplined they are, right? You look at a lot of the top teams across the country, and I mean, 
that they overpower their opponents. I wouldn't put Sherbrooke in that category, but they're definitely one of the few teams that don't beat themselves. And when you're that disciplined and you have a great defense, I mean, your offense doesn't have to do wonders. It just needs to be opportunistic and manage the game. And I think that's what we're seeing from Sherbrooke. I think they're going to go into Montreal and have a chance to upset, you know, the Caribbean. And I mean, like you said, to start the segment, I mean, that would be something. And I just wonder what trickle effect that will have for, you know, next year and the years to come in that conference. I think a regular season loss is one thing for that conference, but a playoff loss um, for any of those two powerhouses, Montreal or Laval, for any of those two teams to lose in the playoffs and not play in the Dunsmore Cup, that changes the game. Uh, I think that opens the door for us to see true parity in the RCQ when it comes to recruiting all that stuff, because then you have a new team finally elevate kind of like echelon of the conference and you're going to have big name recruits looking to go there and say like, Hey, if I go to Sherbrooke, I might have a chance to win a conference championship. I mean, Sherbrooke has some nice uniforms too. They got the gold helmet. They got the gold trim on the numbers, right? They got the matte green. They got, you know, they're looking good, man. I would want to go play there. I would want to go play there if I was a recruit, right? So, <laughs> so I think if they win uh, this game next weekend against Montreal, it's program changing for them, no matter what happens in the Dunsmore cup. Uh, but I am interested. I am interested to see Cataray. I think he's one of the best all-purpose weapons in that conference. And I'm really excited to see how Sherbrooke can use him right away. I mean, obviously, Montreal is going to have his number. Um, but, you know, we talk about Sherbrooke's defense so much. You know, they have to score points somewhere. I'm putting my money on Cataray to have a big game. And again, solidify his spot as one of those X factors in that conference. Uh, DJ, let's move over to the OUA. First things first, playoffs started this weekend. I think game of the weekend in the OUA was definitely West, uh, not Western, Windsor versus Ottawa, right? So Ottawa defeated the Windsor Lancers 43 to 40. Uh, Laurier blew out Carlton 41-13 and Queens blew out UFT 41-13 as well. DJ, do you have any thoughts on that before we move into next week's OUA playoffs? I mean, listen, man, I'm I'm almost heartbroken for the Windsor program. I mean, we've, we've talked about them so much this year. And, you know, I don't want to say I told you so, but I remember about three episodes ago, we sat here and we were trying to dissect, you know, are they going to go left and be that contender and be there in the semifinals? Or are they going to go right due to that inexperience? Um, I think they had that game. I think it comes down to, again, a big moment. And, you know, you have to be lucky to be good and you have to be good to be lucky. And I think the GGs were able to overcome and persevere, um, you know, the, the threat that Windsor had provided. Uh, but I'm heartbroken for them. But again, the GGs were in that in that game. Right. And, and they deserve to win the game. I'm going to throw that out there. They deserve to win the game and be in the semifinals. But they're really the only ones that had to battle it out and duke it out in the quarters. And if you're coming and we talk about momentum right this time of year down the home stretch i just wonder if the ggs and the momentum and how the game went and you know we're clicking we're feeling good about ourselves does that not propel them to possibly upset the queen's gales who have been for sure the second best team in the oua all season long on the flip side i mean man i know we only got x amount of times for this podcast i think it's westerns i mean you know, if there was a Gittins Jr. that was coming back from Toronto, coming down the six and going to, you know, strap up at TD Waterhouse Stadium, I might say something different. But Western is too good. They are too experienced. Defensively, they are maybe the most balanced defensive team in the country. 
And offensively, I mean, the two-headed monster, I don't think Laurier stands a chance. I got Western winning. I got the GGs upsetting Queens to meet in the Yates Cup. Whoa. Whoa. That's that's a big prediction right there. But you know what? I'm going to get to that in a sec. To touch on Windsor, I've said it enough times on this podcast this year, but big ups to that program. Now, you were completely right, right? We spoke about a couple weeks ago. That lack of experience kicked in. You saw them take a lot of penalties in the third and fourth quarter. The reality is this. Like, I truly believe the Windsor Lancers could have won that game. But the good thing is, like, they're trending in the right direction. And you know what? I think the biggest thing that I look at when it comes to just sports in general, I think about whose time is it? Sometimes we can look at, like, listen, who has the best offense? Who has the best defense? Who's statistically here? Who's statistically there? But sometimes it just comes to whose time is it to push through and experience success? Right now, it's not Windsor's time. It's not their time yet, but it's Ottawa's time to experience some success. Because if you look at this program, for the last 10 years, they've only missed the playoffs two times, yet they haven't been to a Yates Cup since 2010 when Brad Sinopoli was their quarterback. Their biggest thing is that they are a great regular season team, but they can accomplish good success in the playoffs. And that's their biggest kind of like hurdle that they need to overcome right now. So right now it's Ottawa's time. To your point about Ottawa and Queens, I can't even say who's going to decide since we win that game because the last time those two teams faced off, there was a lightning delay that paused the game for an hour and Queens came out with the win, but there's a huge asterisk beside that win. I think Queens is going to persevere simply because of that home field advantage. And if you look at that, that stadium and that relationship that they have with those fans, those fans come out and they support that team. So I'm looking at Queens. I think Queens is going to advance the Yates cup when it comes to Western versus Laurie. I think Western has it. I ain't even got to talk about that. Unless Curly Gins Jr. comes back, we ain't going to talk about that. Kwaku Botang, Nakasanyeka, all them cats. Uh, we ain't going to talk about that. Um, but I'm with you. I will say this, though. I would have loved to have seen Windsor win yesterday so that, we, so that we could have the rematch of Windsor versus Western. But, hey, maybe next year. Okay, BJ, let's finish with your conference, Canada West. Here's the standings. We got Saskatchewan in at number one, Regina in at number two, UBC in at number three, and y'all, the Manitoba Bisons, in at number four. Next week, the Saskatchewan Huskies will take on y'all, the Manitoba Bisons, and the Regina Rams will take on the UBC Thunderbirds. I'm going to start with this one, okay? Now, listen, I remember back in, like, week three, I sat here and I said, I think the Canada West Conference is over. I said, I think the Saskatchewan Huskies are going to win this conference. BJ, I'm sitting in front of you right now on the brink of the Canada West playoffs, and I'm saying I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because I no longer know who's going to win this conference. It's not as easy as it is anymore to, this, to, to determine a champion as it was around a month ago. Every single team in the playoffs right now, could you could point to and say like, oh, that team has a legitimate reason to say why they could win, right? I'm looking at Regina. Well, they've given Sask a run for their money two times and have almost beaten Sask two times. I'm looking at UBC. I'm saying they beat Sask, right? I'm looking at y'all and I'm saying y'all showed flashes that you could beat Sask and y'all beat Regina. Y'all the only team to beat Regina this year outside of Sask. You see what I'm saying? So I'm looking at the Canada West Conference right now. I'm saying, I don't know who's going to win anymore. It's not that easy to determine a champion. Give me your thoughts, though, as a coach on a playoff team right now. I mean, listen, man, Canada West is special. 
uh, week in and week out, I think you have the most parity in a conference across the country. And I don't think that's close. Um, I think there's, you know, uber talent, you know, on all sides of the ball. I think special teams wise, if you look at the place kickers and the punters in this conference, I mean, half of them, if not all of them are guys that could get shot to the next level, whether it be north or south of the border. Um, it's just great football to be a part of. But I think to, you know, to be specific here on UBC and Regina first, and then we can get to Saskatchewan and Manitoba second. You know, UBC under Coach Nil, they always do this. They start slow. You have all these question marks around them. You know, are they for real? You know, who are they? And then all of a sudden, middle of the season comes around and they flick the switch. And they get better week after week after week. And I think to Coach Nil's, you know, credit, He's been to the big dance so many times. He knows, you know, the stages that this season goes through, right? And he makes sure that they're getting ready for, for a Vanier Cup, not getting ready for a week five or six of the regular season. Um, obviously, UBC took a big hit, losing Garrett Rooker, you know, who I think is, is a tremendous football player. Um, you know, like you said, Engel, you know, stepped in and stepped up. Um, but the regular season is something whole different. Um, than the postseason is. And, and I think going against the front seven with with Anthony Bennett, who is sure to be a first-team All-Canadian, you know, go against Varga and White, who are two of the better linebackers in the country, you know, is he going to have time and can he be decisive in his decision-making to give UBC a chance? Um, Isaiah Knight is a ball player. He is, you know, without question, I think, one of the top running backs in the country, but is one player on the entire offense going to be able to propel them against the Regina defense, who is the number one rushing defense in the country. I don't know. That's what the game is going to be played for. In terms of the pass attack, you have a backup quarterback playing against statistically the worst passing defense in the country. Can we now exploit that? Again, we will find out. I'm super excited to see Manu, the offensive tackle from UBC, versus Anthony Bennett all game. I think that is a CFL you know, draft pick, one-on-one -on -one combine, um, you know, spotlight type segment that you're going to see for an entire afternoon. Um, you know, but I, I think what it comes down to, to be honest with this game is, is special teams. Um, it, it's hard to say that in a playoff game, but you look at what Aldo Galvin has been able to do from the punting spot this year. I think he might be their MVP. I mean, he's had, you know, 10 to 15 punts over 70 yards. Like he flips the field for them every single time. It's like having another defensive field, like a defensive, you know, game player out there doing his thing. I think he has, you know, the leg to get in the NFL next year. And um, that punt return team on Regina, I mean, I think they have 12 block punts this year too. Um, I think it comes down to special teams. I think Regina home field advantage. I think Regina beats UBC with a backup quarterback and they limit Isaiah Knight uh, more than what we've been able to see this year. Uh, flipping it over to Manitoba Sask. Um, I'm excited, man. There, there's nothing better than going into Saskatoon and playing playoff football. Uh, Scott Flory has that team, you know, ready to play. And and they have a job to do and they want to get back to the Vanier Cup. Um, you know, but I think Des, uh, Des can and, and will find a way. You know, he's been able to shake off the rust from a, a knee injury. Um, he's clicking right now. I mean, what him and Ega Gasama have been able to do I mean, I think AK is a first team all Canadian. And I'm not saying that because I coach the U of M. I'm saying that because is there a dude in the country that can take the top off a of defense like he can? I don't know. Deshaun, you tell me, right? I think he's there. 
And I think he's part of that consideration now where you're going to have to double him. You know, you're going to have to roll the safety his way. If you're Saskatchewan, I think, you know, you look at Sask, Novak, Weeb, they're tremendous in the front seven. Tremendous. And they always have been on the line of scrimmage. Can Braden Stubbs and the O-line of Manitoba, you know, keep up and at least keep the offense on the field? You know, you can't pass the ball in minus five degree weather in Saskatoon all day. You're going to have to have a balanced attack. I'm excited to see what the guys can do. If you flip the script, we've talked about Nason Nios all year, all year. I think the heck comes down to him or Desjardins. You know, I think Keon Edwards is in there as well, but typically it goes to a quarterback. You know, so I'm really thinking it's Desjardins or Nios, you know, when it comes down to it. You look at the running attack, Cabongo's really stepped up now, you know, in the back half of the season. Frank's been able to do his thing all year long, and they've got a great old line. They've got three real good receivers, you know, that Nios can dump the ball off to. So you can't really roll the safety any which way. You can't double or pay more attention to one side over the other because they're so balanced. And I think defensively, where Manitoba hopefully can step up, Cole Adamson, Colin Cornelson, Isaac Dawkins right up the middle. If you can limit the damage that Saskatchewan does on first down in the run game and force them to pass, and you have guys like Marcella Ruda-Welch and Sebastian Reed on the corners, who in my mind are both conference all-stars, it's going to be a game. And it, and it might come down to one or two plays, but I'm going to throw this out there right now. Steven Adamopoulos, the safety for Manitoba, I think is one of the most underrated players in the entire country playing football. I think he is that good. I think he is, uh, you know, a quarterback on the defense, and I think he's going to step up and make some big plays. And I'm really excited to see Defonte versus Soleil in the kicking and place and, and punting game. Um, I think Soleil is going to be in the CFL. I think Nico Defonte could also be in the CFL. So how this sh game shakes out, I'm not going to say it. I don't want to jinx nothing. Um, but I'm super excited to uh, to have the opportunity to play. You know, what is the, the best team on paper? In, in the Canada West and, and go to war with uh, with a group of Hungry Bisons uh, on Saturday afternoon. I can't even um, top that preview, so I'm going to let that sit. I'm going to let that sit, DJ. But I'm going to say this. Another thing, too, that I'm really excited about, too, is, like, we're looking at Dez and Nias in their final years. This is going to be someone's final game, for real. This is going to be, and the, we're talking about two of some of the greatest quarterbacks in Canada West of recent memory, like of our time, like of my time, your time, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. this is going, you know what I'm saying? We're looking at someone's final game here. So I'm really interested to see what these two are going to come out with, knowing that from here on out, it's like win or truly go home for good. Uh, back to Regina and UBC. You made a great point there about UBC having a backup quarterback and Regina having the worst you know, passing defense in the country. But it's like, man, even with that D-line, like you said, like how much time is he really going to have to get the ball off? I don't know. I don't know. But honestly, before this weekend, what I actually wanted to see was I wanted to see Manitoba finish third and UBC mm -hmm. finish fourth so that we can get that UBC-Saskatchewan rematch and then we can get that rematch between y'all and Regina, right? But the way you kind of just laid everything out, I'm – I'm good with what we're having next weekend. Like, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. <laughs> I think I'm more excited for what we got next weekend than for what I wanted originally. So, um, no, but listen, I'm going to say right up, right off the bat, my picks. I got Regina beating UBC, like, easily. When it comes to Sass versus Manitoba, DJ, 
it's Saskatchewan's time, man. Hey, man, this, this is what the podcast is for. It's opinions. It's you take it or you leave the opinion. I'm going to save mine to next Saturday. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no, it's I think it's I do think it's Saskatchewan's time. I think they do have some unfinished business to deal with in the Vanier Cup. The winner of Saskatchewan versus Manitoba, in my opinion, I think that team wins the Hardy Cup. I think next week's game between you guys, that's the Hardy Cup, in my opinion. So I think I'm saying right now it's Saskatchewan's time, but just know if y'all win, I think y'all are winning the Hardy Cup. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, I'll, take, I'll take that as a consolation for the sake of this episode. Um, you know, I think one thing I want to give a shout out to Des, though, uh, you know, on this show, he just became the all-time passing uh, leader in University of Manitoba Bison's football history, you know, passing the likes of Shane Munson, you know, John Mackey, Jordan Yance. Um, there's a ton of great ball players there, and, and he's had a great career. Um, but like you said, man, two gunslingers going at it, minus five degrees. You know, it's going to be a physical. It's going to be a, you know, sold-out crowd there in Saskatoon. That's what playoff football, that's what this time of year is all about. And that's what gets everyone involved in football so excited, you know, to be chatting about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm equally as excited for what we're going to see next week across the country. Um, you know, and I just hope that, uh, you know, every player goes out there and signs off and, and, and tries to get one more week. Yeah, 100%. And no, I agree with you. Shout out to Des, because realistically, like we talk about this being his final season, he really has been one of the faces of Canada West football for like the last five years. He's one of the, like the faces of consistency in that conference at the quarterback position, playing at an elite level all years that he's been playing, right? Even longer than Mason Nias. Um, shout out to Des. When his career ends, we don't know if it might be next week or down the road, you know, a couple of weeks, whatever it might be, might, might end of the Vanier Cup, who knows. But when his career ends, I think he's going to be missed by the league, missed by the culture. So shout out to him and what an amazing accomplishment for him. I think, I think we got to acknowledge that on Persevere. So thanks for bringing that up. DJ, I would say, what are you looking forward to next week? But we kind of just went through everything that's literally happening next week. What I'm looking forward to the most, though, I'll say this. My games I'm looking forward to the most out of all conferences. I'm looking forward to Saskatchewan versus Manitoba. I want to see what y'all guys do against the number one team in that conference. I'm looking forward to Montreal versus Sherbrooke uh, because I think Montreal's back is against the wall. I'm looking forward to, to Queens and Ottawa because I think there's an asterisk beside their first link up. So we don't know who's really a truly better of those two. And of course, in the AUS, there's only one game. So I'm looking forward to seeing Bishops and Mount Allison. Um, DJ, any final words before we sign off in less than a minute? I got nothing, man. I'm excited to chop it up again next week with you and, and see how all these picks shake out. Uh, but like I said, when, that, when, when the weather gets a little cold and the hits get a little louder, uh, that's when you want to be playing. That's when you want to be covering this game. So I'm excited to see you sports football live in action next weekend. If you made it this far, big ups to you. For anything you sports football related, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Persevere underscore, on Twitter at Persevere underscore, and on TikTok at Persevere. This podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and also YouTube. This is Deshaun Stevens and DJ Lalama signing off from another week of Take It or Leave It. Peace and blessings always.